0: Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Summary. We hope that it blesses you. Um, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Joya. My day job is that I'm a teacher in one of the local secondary schools um, and I teach chemistry. So this is a little bit different to what I do every day. (laughs) Um, just before I start I want to tell you about something that happened um, five years ago. Five years ago me and my mate um, who I like to go on adventures with we heard that there had been some miraculous healings and there was revival in Wales okay it's in the summer holidays and so I said to it was Nadine and I said to Nadine should we go to Wales and she went what today and I went yeah because there's like miraculous healings and revival <laughs> and she's like all right then. So we got in the car, I went to the petrol station first, and uh, we drove to Wales. And we're in the car and we're like singing some worship songs and, and a bit of stereophonics and a bit of road tripping. And she says to me, Joya, why are we going to Wales? Jesus is everywhere. And I went, I know, I know. She said, but why am I excited to go to Wales? And I said, I think we just heard Jesus was doing something in Wales, And so we wanted to go, because if Jesus was here today and we heard he was doing something in Staines, we'd be in Staines where he was. And there's nothing special about, well, there was something special about what was happening in Wales, but it didn't mean that the Holy Spirit and Jesus wasn't anywhere else. But when we went there, we went with such expectation. And so just what Ron said, are we coming with expectation? And I was really challenged that day. Sorry, I don't know why it's doing that. I was really challenged that day that, do I... Go to New Wine with expectation. Do I go to Soul Survivor or Momentum or whatever it is with my notebook ready for what God is going to say? Yeah, I do. Do I come to church with the same expectation that God's going to speak every Sunday? And I don't know that I did have the same expectation, but that was five years ago, and I'm three or four journals in now because God has been speaking, and I just want to encourage you with that. You don't need to go to Wales. You can just come here. All go to Wales. <laughs> um, life's frustrating, isn't it? I've got to tell you about one of my frustrations. I don't know where I put it though. <laughs> this way? Yeah, that's it, you can take that. Is that better now? Okay. I don't know what I've done with it, but my frustration is my phone. Okay? Because, yeah, I'll eat yours. My frustration is Ron's phone. <laughs> I find. That no matter what tricks I play, no matter how many applications I close down, no matter how often I dim that uh, brightness on my phone, or try and switch it to flight mode when I'm not using it, or turn off the Bluetooth, or avoid Facebook and Instagram, or close applications, usually every day at some point, normally inconvenient, this is what the screen tells me. Okay? And it's especially unhelpful when you're trying to get back from the O2 arena, after midnight, and you want to get an Uber because the train has stopped at the platform because some dude's got himself stuck in the toilet. (laughs) And uh, when you try and get your Uber, and you call your Uber, and it's all great because the Uber driver has seen where you are, this happens. And you're like, brilliant, now what do I do? And then it gets more frustrating because there's only one thing left to happen, okay? And just in case you hadn't got the message, helpfully, this happens. (laughs) To remind you that you need to do something. When I need to charge that phone, no amount of pressing that button, there is no turning it on and off because it is off. Nothing changes the situation. Nothing fixes it. It just needs to be recharged. So in a bid to help me, Jess bought me one of these. Hey, you think, problem solved, don't you? I have a bit of charge on tap. My phone will last the whole day now until what? That happens. Because this runs out eventually, doesn't it? The issue might be me, I know. (laughs) Ultimately, the only thing that I can do to keep that charge and that it will always give me what I need is if I plug it into the main source. Today is my second favorite day in the year. My, first, my favorite is Easter, okay? And Pentecost is my second favorite day. It is so exciting, and let me tell you why. Did you know the origins of Pentecost? It means the 50th day. And the term is borrowed from the Greek-speaking Jews who used the phrase to refer to a Jewish holiday, the Feast of Weeks. The name was to instruct people to count seven weeks or 50 days from the end of the Passover meal to symbolize the beginning of the next holiday. Jesus and his disciples, Jewish, so they were used to Jewish traditions, and they also celebrated that Passover meal. In fact, when they sat down to celebrate or have the Last Supper, they didn't call it the Last Supper. They didn't know. They thought they were just going to have the Passover meal, celebrating the way that God had rescued their forefathers out of slavery in Egypt. That harvest festival, or the Feast of Weeks, soon turned into the celebration of God giving Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, how interesting that it was celebrating God giving something to us, the law, and then Pentecost now is God pouring out his Holy Spirit not to one person, not to just a group of people, but to all people forever. We've been married now for nine weeks and one day. <laughs> We've, we're, still, we're, we're doing good. We're in a good place. <laughs> There has been a whole lot of life that has happened in that time. We've even managed to get ourselves to another wedding. um, And my mum got baptised. So pretty amazing things happening in that time. We've both got new jobs. Um, We're moving into a new season, even though it doesn't feel like we've kind of really got used to the season we started nine weeks ago. So much to process. So I can imagine that the disciples had a whole lot to process. They, um, let me take you back, because I got married two weeks before Easter, so it's kind of around the same amount of time. Let's just journey back with the disciples to that first Maundy Thursday. Jesus says to them, go and prepare the upper room, and we're going to celebrate the Passover meal. They're like, oh, good, that's normal. Okay, we know what to get. Unleavened bread, all of that kind of stuff. And then he starts to wash their feet. And he picks up bread and wine, and he explains that his body's gonna be broken and his blood is gonna be shed. Then he looks at them and he says, one of you here, one of my best mates, you're gonna betray me. He suggests after dinner, after dropping that bombshell, that they should go to a garden and pray. And he says to them, I know you're tired. Just stay awake with me, I just need you to pray with me. And they, human, fell asleep. Jesus is in agony. He's in agony because he knows what's to come, and they can't even stay awake. And he prays for them, and he prays for you, and he prays for me, and he prays for all of those that are gonna betray him. And then he submits to the will of the Father, and he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. And there for me, the battle was won in the garden. Jesus is then arrested and tried, he's found innocent, and they put him to death anyway, like a guilty man. And he bears the weight of the cross as he walks to Golgotha, but heavier than the weight of the cross is the weight of the sin of humanity. And then he dies on that cross, separated and abandoned by his heavenly father. The disciples, hopes shattered, dreams gone, their leader dead, and they really struggle, and they can't handle the loss of Jesus, and they're now fearing for their own lives to the point where his closest deny they even knew him. Three days later, the miracle to trump all miracles. Jesus is not in the tomb. He's been raised from the dead. The temple curtain, when Jesus died, split from the top to the bottom. That Do a bit of research when you go home. Find out how big that temple curtain was and how amazing it would have been for that to have split from the top to the bottom to symbolize that there is no separation between the holy of holies where God dwelt and his people. Just love God's detail sometimes when he's trying to tell us something. They're just starting to getting used to Jesus being back around with them, seeing more miracles. He's now explaining scripture to them. And then he says, I've got to go again, but this time I've got to go properly so that the helper can come. He says in um, John 14, If you love me and keep my commandments, then I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Verse 25. All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He commissions the disciples to spread the good news of Jesus throughout the whole world and go and baptise people, and then he tells them to wait, which is weird. He says, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. Even the Great Commission needed them to wait, and our lives were never meant to be lived and carried out, in our own strength. We were always supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit to empower us. In Luke 24, Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. We often feel disappointed with God because he hasn't given us what he promised. And sometimes I have been told wrong things. I used to have people, before I got married, people say, oh, God's promised you a husband. I'm like, but he has he. It's not written anywhere. Don't put that on me and don't make me feel disappointed. But you know what? There are some things he's promised and the Holy Spirit was what he promised. So let's put our hope in that. He said, I'm going to send to you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Power is a funny word these days. To be powerful, you think influential. You might even think Donald Trump usually wealthy, famous, strong, can have negative connotations too. We can abuse the power we've been given. We can read in the news about the misuse of power all the time. So to think that God's people would be clothed with power can send out these ideas of might and force. And back in the day, they thought that Jesus was there to overthrow the Roman Empire, and they wondered what that would mean. And they thought it was maybe a physical overthrow and there'd be a fight So I wonder what that word power meant. So I went back to the Greek, and um, I had a hunch that maybe Jesus wasn't talking about this negative kind of power, wasn't talking about being elevated and being powerful in that way. The word power in this passage is translated from the Greek, dunamis, and I might have pronounced it wrong, so tell me later if I have. Dunamis means a strength from a source, a miraculous strength the source being God. can also be referred to as a moral power or an excellence of soul. So I thought let's find out where that word's used elsewhere in the Bible. Turns out, so this is cool, when Mary is being told that she's going to be pregnant with Jesus, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In Acts, You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that an all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness." And therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. In all of these verses, I don't see control. I don't see misuse of power. I don't see winning people over with good conversations. I see enabling the miraculous, enabling us to share the good news, helping us in our weakness, helping us to carry on another day, pointing to the fact that we cannot live our life in our own strength bit like a phone that needs charging. We can keep trying to get a bit of charge and then give it a go on our own, but ultimately we need to be connected to the source and be filled by that source. Jesus Jesus promises the disciples the Holy Spirit and then he says some weird stuff. He says, I'll give you peace, not like the world gives. Don't be troubled, don't be afraid. And I just thought that was a bit bizarre because why would you say that to somebody unless you knew What was coming? Unless you know that times are coming where the obvious reaction is going to be that you're going to be troubled and you're going to be afraid and you will feel the opposite of peace and that you will not be able to get peace from the world, but you'll only be able to get peace from God. I don't know, brothers and sisters, have we ever been in a situation where we feel like we can't get peace from the world or that you are heading into something that feels like you're going to feel the opposite and you're going to feel afraid And concerned and troubled? Does that seem like it was just in Bible times? There's a consistent pattern here. We need to get it all from God. Our peace, our love, our grace, our forgiveness, our rest, our power, our healing, our truth, our help, our counsel, our hope, our faith, our restoration, our encouragement, our confidence, our guidance, all from God, right from the source. The disciples commissioned to go spread the gospel, spread the good news, so you think, go, it's a no-brainer, go do it, but even Jesus said, wait, Not so you've like sorted out all your stuff and you've got a bit of free time now. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for power from on high. Not so that you can win people over and be powerful, but so you can be full of God's Holy Spirit and that he will call you and you will step into certain situations that look like you couldn't step into them, but God has called you into them. That he will call you into conversations and he has anointed that moment for you to speak truth into people's lives so that you'll be able to understand the things that Jesus said, so that you'll be able to open up that Bible that seems so confusing, and the Holy Spirit promises to reveal truth. So that you'll be able to speak truth and life into those around you, so that you'll be able to heal and perform miracles that point back to Jesus. Now, in the verse that um, Ron read, He did mention wind rushing through. He did also mention, and we just kind of glossed over it, tongues of fire resting on people. That's pretty amazing. and you probably, I don't know, I wondered why. Why are there so many Jews who speak all different languages? I thought they all probably spoke the same language. But it turns out they're all there for this feast, the Feast of Weeks. And they're traveling from all over. So they've got all these different languages. And the Holy Spirit fills the followers of Jesus, fills those 11. And they're speaking in tongues. But this time the tongues, or the languages they're speaking in, happen to be actual real languages that people speak. And they're not just saying things like they've listened to Duolingo. They're praising God. And they're declaring the goodness of God. And these people that are gathered there for the Feast of the weeks, which was like normal, okay, they thought that's what Pentecost was. And they realise this new Pentecost is where we hear God being revealed through the Holy Spirit in our own language, in a way that we can understand. One of my favourite things to do is to talk to young people about Jesus. And when I do, I think... Holy Spirit, help me explain this in a way that this young person understands and not use all of the really churchy words that no one understands. Because the Holy Spirit can do that. God cares about it being explained to us in a way that we understand. Because he actually wants to be with us. He doesn't want to make that complicated. It's so weird what happened that day that people thought they were drunk. And Peter says... No, it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's probably not that they're drunk. But he does say, and he says it to Jews, remember. So he's reading Joel, of the prophecy from Joel to a bunch of Jews who know what was said in Joel. And he says this, this now explains what is happening here. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mind's blown, because they would have known that and thought, we thought they were drunk. But I think that this thing that I've been reading about is that this, and you know what, if you carry on reading in Acts, so many more people came to follow Jesus that day because they got it in a way that they understood. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit came and anointed that day. It wasn't just for that day, though, because I don't think that we were designed to live without the dunamis of God. It would be like using my own phone and running out of charge and uh, trying to look for a temporary fix, like a portable charger, but then still running out. Instead, we've got access to dunamis of God through the Holy Spirit forever. I don't need any temporary fix. So I don't know about you, but I feel like I need God's power because we can feel weak and not enough on a regular basis. And even when I feel good, I know that I'm not equipped for all that God has called me to do. I know that even on my strongest day, that I need his Holy Spirit to reveal truth in what I hear, see and feel. We know that we need to be connected to God, so that on that day when trouble is near, we are not afraid. On the day that destruction comes our way, we don't feel abandoned. On the day that sorrow is on the doorstep, creeping into our homes, the Holy Spirit will bring comfort. On the day that stress fills our mind the Holy Spirit floods in with a peace that passes all understanding. On the day that confusion attacks, the Holy Spirit reveals truth. And on the day that condemnation and guilt grips us, the Holy Spirit reminds us that forgiveness is found in Jesus and that he loves us. And when I spoke in the first service, I just felt that maybe these pictures that I showed at the start... Would speak to somebody about where we are and where we need God. And I don't know. Can you go to the last one? I don't know if we're here, where it's just like, we've got to just get back to the source completely because we are empty, or whether we're back again to the first one. Today's a warning, like, maybe. That we don't need to wait. But we can just go back to the source. And you know what, let's do it this morning here. But every day, you don't need to go to Wales. You don't need to go anywhere in particular. Because you can just every morning say, every evening say, Holy Spirit, come, fill me. Go to the source for all of those things. Because... My experience has been that life just is life-like a lot of the time. And I could spend all my energy trying to change that, or I could wait on the Holy Spirit and say, Father, where are you working? Where are you moving? Where are you leading me? Where are you helping me? Where are you restoring me? And that seems to be way more productive and way more soul restoring than trying to fix it in my own strength. So I encourage you, friends, let's stand to our feet and let's wait for the Holy Spirit because he's here right now and he wants to fill us. Remember, there are a thousand things that we think that God has promised us that we're entitled to, but there today, let me tell you, there is one thing that he really did promise and it is his Holy Spirit to fill us now. For more information about St Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviourssonbury.org.uk